What is up, everyone? Welcome in to the FAA podcast. Good to have Logan here. It was not a good weekend for me, anyways. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk Super Bowl. Got the last two uh, coaching head coaching spots filled in the NFL. So we'll talk about those hires, and then uh, we'll just finish up with uh, our season preview of U- the XFL coming up this weekend, week one. So I know I am hyped for that. Um, but let's get it going. Oh, yeah, and happy Valentine's Day to those people that <laughs> that have people. I'm not one of those people, so, but it's okay. Made a nice Instagram post today. Parents sent me a card. My my sister and brother-in-law sent me a Valentine with my my nephew's picture in his little Valentine Day get-up. So, anyways, the Kansas City Chiefs are your Super Bowl champions, winning Super Bowl 57, held in... Glendale, Arizona at the Cardinal State Farm Stadium. 38-35, game-winning 25-yard field goal by uh, Harrison Butker with eight seconds left. Um, do we just want to, do we just want to get to the, get to the point? Um, because... I'm going to let you lead because it's... Well, okay, so, so this, people are calling this the greatest Super Bowl ever, and, and I call it the greatest super fifty-eight minutes of a Super Bowl ever, um, because it was it was thirty-five, thirty-five. The Eagles drove down and, and tied it, and then we got to the two-minute warning when the Chiefs the Chiefs had the ball, got down to well, I don't even remember what the time was. It was like fifty-six seconds or something like that, and. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster did a, a kind of in, a, it was kind of like an in and wheel. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, the route, but uh, holding call, holding called, defensive holding, ended the game essentially, uh, giving them automatic first down didn't have to score anything but you just (laughs) you cannot in that time and place make that call especially when we didn't see it called all game yeah and and i i've been telling people this i wouldn't have been as mad about the game if the eagles would have got a chance and they wouldn't have gone down and tied it with their own field goal or won it with a touchdown. I would have been okay with that. Like we lost, okay. But the fact that we didn't even get a chance, other than a, I have never seen a worse hail mary attempt by Jalen Hurts, um, ever, <laughs> than what that was at the end. But yeah, the fact that they didn't even get a chance to go down with you know fifty something seconds and no timeouts to to tie the game at the very least. 
was made the Super Bowl. I think, you know, I think it's a big, big blot on the on this Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, you know, my biggest thing is and you you mentioned this is that. The problem itself is I don't think it's the call because if you, you know, textbook definition, you know, that Mm. is a holding call. And I think that sometimes there's an urge to be like, you can't call that in this situation. But sometimes no calls can be just as egregious as um, the calls. Um, We go back to the Saints Rams uh, mm-hmm. NFC Championship game, the uh, the no call that was clearly a <laughs> a pass interference. Um, I forget who that was on, um, but it, what makes this distinct is it, what you mentioned, Rusty, is that that this hadn't been called all game. Mm-hmm. This was the first defensive holding call all game, and I guarantee you that wasn't the first instance of defensive holding that could have been called. So the biggest problem with NFL officiating, and it just so happened that the Chiefs were on, you know, both sides of being the beneficiaries of it um, in the Super Bowl and in the AFC Championship game is inconsistency with how the game is being called. Mm -hmm. Um, Players need to know how this game is going to be called so that they can adjust accordingly um, to that. Um, And it was clear um, throughout 58 minutes of this game that they were going to let them play and let them be aggressive, be a little grabby, um, which is what that play was. I mean, yes, that's defensive holding, but it hadn't been defensive folding all night. Um, it was a very late flag uh, that didn't come out until quite a lot of prompting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's a bad look, and, and there's just no way around it. I know Goodell just recently said, you know, our, our officiating's been... Never been better. Never been better. I that he has to know that isn't the fact it isn't the case and uh, there has to be something you know done with it because literally everybody who isn't a Chiefs fan has put at least some level of an asterisk on this game mm-hmm. even if they think that it was a holding call because for just the reasons we set out like I said you look at the play in isolation that's a holding call. You can draw the lawn. You can pull the laundry on something like that, but that's not how the game had been officiated for 58 minutes. And in that sense, you have to be consistent with how you're calling the game. Um, And the NFL just has not been all year. Well, and two other things like for one, the replays, you know, people on Twitter and stuff showing the freeze frame. But but the replay that you show live in real time doesn't look egregious. Like, it's not like he... 
really impeded him a lot. It was kind of like maybe he impeded him by a second, second and a half. Uh, And two, like, I think the ball would have been incomplete regardless. Patrick Mahomes threw that thing really far. And to... I think it would have been a worse call if it was called DPI because of how far the ball was um, rather than holding. But, yeah, that was the biggest thing. Also, uh, before we get to the stats, like, I don't know how you felt, but I thought Rihanna was absolutely terrible. Like, her singing was good. Her singing was good. The show itself was not good, though. Yeah. I mean... And she didn't bring anyone else up. I think it was okay. I think that... I think we've been blessed with some very intricate, like, performances as of late that are just... Have all these cameos and, you know, just all this light shows and different wardrobe changes and all this kind of stuff. This was very more kind of simplistic and all that. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought she did good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's not, like, going to be a memorable no. halftime show. Like, people aren't going to talk about it um, as being one of those. But, yeah. I just, like, I can't. People were saying, like, oh, my gosh, that was so great. I was like, were you watching the same halftime show that I just watched? Well, I mean, it is impressive <laughs> that she was able to do that while being pregnant. So there is, which there's no one knew. You get a little, you get a little uh, bump up. Yeah, which which no one knew. That was yeah, the big surprise. But I don't know. <laughs> uh, also, the ref in his um, in his pool report after the game said there was no debate that it was a defensive holding call. And I was like, bro, you can't you can't say that. You can't say that it absolutely 100% of the time should and will be called because it's not true. There aren't many things that are absolute in life, and that's definitely not one of them. Uh, okay. Jalen Hurts, though, uh, he had a hell of a game. 27 of 38, 71.1%, 304 yards a touchdown, 15 carries, 70 yards, three rushing touchdowns. The fumble was probably the thing that killed him. Uh, And the fact that Jonathan Gannon's defense couldn't stop the Chiefs offense all second half. And also that the Eagles got absolutely zero sacks. Which was just ridiculous to to see that happen. Mahomes won MVP, and I don't know. So I didn't really know his stats because I was just pissed off after the game. I heard he won MVP, and I didn't really know the stats. I understand his second half performance. Thirteen of fourteen, two passing touchdowns whatnot but it's only throw for 182 yards i don't know was there a better mvp uh candidate 
Nick Bolton, maybe. Um, but on the Chiefs itself, no. I would have put a put Jalen Hurts in the ring as being only the second non-winning player to ever win it. But I think today's day and age, people will never do that again. Yeah. It's almost become precedent now to, like, not not do it. And, I mean, there just wasn't really anybody else that um, put up the stats to kind of overtake Mahomes in that regard. But, I mean, that kind of just speaks to, like, how well-balanced the Chiefs were. Mm-hmm. Um, all season and in this game, they were able to spread the ball around. Travis Kelsey came out hot and heavy with that um, touchdown. Everybody's yelling at the TVs, like, how is he doing this again? Then he kind of got quieted again. And then you saw some of these other guys step up late uh, in the second half, like Juju, like Kadarius Tony. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just uh, just an impressive rebuild um for the chiefs in one off season to to move on from tyreek hill and, and not lose a step um it's just pretty crazy but i will say that um as for jalen hurts i was beyond impressed with his performance you know i'm a big jalen smith guy I've talked about before so cool to see a guy just consistently progress like every year of his career this was a huge statement game because all season people were saying, well, if you put a lot of quarterbacks in that situation behind that old line with those weapons, they're going to play really well, probably just as good as Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. That is not the case at all. This dude at times was carrying the team. Um, it, it was a very impressive performance um, and I'm gutted that we didn't get to see a two-minute drive to answer, you know? So, And he was dropping dimes in the second half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he threw uh, the, the big touchdown early in the, the first half to A.J. Brown, which I kind of contribute that to more A.J. Brown because the ball wasn't even close to him. A.J. made a good adjustment. Uh but the 46-yarder or 45-yarder to Devontae Smith was a beautiful rainbow. And then I really think the Dallas Goddard throw was just ridiculous. <laughs> Pinpoint accuracy. And the fact that Goddard got his feet in was also crazy, too. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, yeah, Jalen gave his best game in the biggest stage. Uh, but Mahomes, though, 21-27, 77.8%, 182 yards, three touchdowns, six carries, 44 yards. I thought I thought the game was over. Mahomes, TJ Edwards took him down late in the first half. He, he looked like he was writhing in pain on the sideline. Mm. And I thought, that's it. Like, Chad Henney's coming in. Mahomes does not look like he's going to be able to play. I don't know what they did. Uh, So, okay. So, I saw a report that they didn't do anything. They didn't do any treatment at halftime. And then, obviously, you have the fake thing out there that he failed a drug test and 
the NFL is investigating for PEDs, which, like I said, is not true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the rushing aspect of Mahomes was probably the biggest key to their second-half comeback. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you look for kind of statement plays and legacy plays in a, in a person's career and in a season – that what was it about a 20 30 yard run that put him into the red zone was was really impressive um just on that on that leg just to be able to find the holes in the defense and just kind of will um the team into position was impressive uh isaiah pacheco your leading rusher in this game the rookie seventh rounder 15 carries 76 yards a touchdown I was shocked the Eagles really couldn't run the ball at all. Uh, Gainwell and Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, all three had very mild days. Like you see there, Gainwell was the leading rusher on the Eagles outside of Hurts. It's only 21 yards. Um, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown showed up like they needed to. Smith, seven catches, 100 yards, nine targets. A.J. Brown, six catches, 96 yards, a touchdown on eight targets. Talked about Kelsey, six catches, 81 yards, a touchdown, six targets there. Juju, uh, who I absolutely hate now. I was okay with Juju. I was fine with him. But, bro, he's being such an asshole on, on social media. Not that he wasn't already, but, like, now that it's, like, targeted – come on bro like you can't you don't have to be an asshole if you win a super bowl like so yeah uh and then Kadarius tony sky Moore, those two touchdowns were absolutely inexcusable i have no clue what the eagles defense was doing they were both wide open in the flat so yeah uh, Nick Bolton, defensive player of the game, for sure. Nine tackles, eight solos, 36-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Again, that was another point in the game where I was just, like, dumbfounded. I was like, bro, how, why did you, how do you just drop the ball, Jalen? Like, <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Chiefs plus one and a half, over fifty one and a half. USFL news: uh, the Gamblers, Houston Gamblers, they just lost their head coach. <laughs> um, about what is it? I think the I think the USFL draft is on the thirteenth, so we're one day less than a month to go to the USFL draft and uh, the Houston Gamblers are looking for a new head coach because Kevin Sumlin, former Texas A&M head coach as well, has been hired by Maryland as their co-offensive coordinator. Not sure who's going to be the other co-OC there for the Terrapins, but yes, Sumlin headed to College Park, Maryland under Mike Loxley. A tough look, <laughs> tough look for the USFL to have one of your head coaches leave for a co-offensive coordinator position <laughs> at a university. 
<laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah, it's the USFL is already like. I think I I said this last year. When you know we knew the XFL was coming in, that the XFL was gonna win out, and based off the players, the player transactions that have occurred, like you look at how many guys left their USFL contracts and decided to to opt out of the USFL for year two, and head to the XFL. There's a lot. So, just saying. Um, college football news, just one thing. Georgia, we'll talk about where Todd Munkin went in a second. But they have promoted analyst Mike Bobo to offensive coordinator, former Georgia offensive coordinator, uh, when Matthew Stafford, Aaron Murray were there in the early 2010s. Um, went on to Colorado State head coach and offensive coordinator at um, Florida State, I believe, as well. Uh, but yeah, the Bulldogs have a new OC there. NFL news. So you can answer this for me. There was the Ian Rappaport tweet that could the Ravens tag, franchise tag, and possibly trade Lamar Jackson? Will. If he gets tagged, would a boatload of picks be be enough to to get the Ravens to bite? Well, it sounds like it's it's becoming a very real possibility. Um, when you just kind of just the feel from from the team and just kind of some of the comments, like I don't know if you saw Eric DaCosta's comments about them not being able to land a big wide receiver mm-hmm. this year because Lamar is going to be taking up a lot of the cap. Like <laughs> that kind of stuff just doesn't sit right. Uh, with anybody who's just even kind of paying attention to this, but surely <laughs> probably not with Lamar. Um, it's just one of those things that feels destined um, kind of for a split. And I'm praying it's not this off season. Um, (laughs) so that Rogers potentially, uh, is the crown jewel if he does, um, you know, look to be traded. Um, but I mean, it it could for sure happen. And I think there are plenty of teams who would pony up, um, to get him and would probably be better for it. Um. Yeah, I mean, you. There's a ton of teams, you know. Uh, the Lions. I mean, they have the picks. They have an O line that's going to be able to keep him upright. They have good weapons. They have to fix that defense, but getting a guy like Lamar could take them to the next level. Um, I mean, heck, I don't know. Maybe the Dolphins do something. Um, to upgrade that position because of Tua's injuries all the time. Um, there's obviously the Jets and the Raiders. I don't know if they would trade them in conference. Depends. You, but, uh, yeah. You know I would. <laughs> <laughs> I would trade him for as much value as he would go for. Highest bidder gets the win. I don't care where he goes. 
uh, if I'm getting uh, multiple first round picks and something else, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they want to uh, acquire a wide receiver if they would do that in that trade uh, or not. But uh, yeah, just uh, starting to unravel the off-season landscape here in the NFL as we are two weeks from Combine and about a month from the league year kicking off. I believe that's March 16th. I don't remember. Um, But, yeah, Eagles might have a big hole. Center Jason Kelsey going to take some time the next few weeks decide on whether he wants to to come back or not i don't remember how old jason is i think he's 36 something like that um i i'd be okay if he retired um i mean hall of fame center and uh like that's the the beauty of howie roseman right He's already got his guy, like Cam Jurgens. That's why we drafted him last year, <laughs> was to to be uh, under Jason Kelsey, fill in where we need him on the as a backup, and then put him into the starting lineup whenever Kelsey retires. So, luckily, we already have our starting center. And even if it's not Jurgens, Landon Dickerson was a fantastic center at Alabama. So I would not be shocked if he was up for it if Jurgens didn't work out. Uh, okay, the Jets have officially inquired about the availability of Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who is in the darkness <laughs> right now. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I thought he was He's going not. today. <laughs> no. Yeah. What the? No, you'd think that. Yeah, you would think that. Uh, apparently it's happening at the end of this week. Uh, okay. He's going to take the weekend to enter the bat cave, I guess. I don't know. Uh, whatever analogy you want to use for it. <laughs> but yeah, the Jets obviously yeah. are the first suitors to come up in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. Yeah. And I mean, I think that I'm sure there are other teams that have been that have inquired as well and that they're just waiting to kind of trickle this out to spread it out over the news days. I mean, I'm sure the jets inquired like two weeks ago. Like, I don't think this is, this goes back to what we talked about when he made those comments on McAfee shows a couple weeks ago, where it sounds like he said, you know, kind of passive aggressively that it sounds like some of these conversations are already happening without me. That's just the, it's <laughs> like, they have to answer the phone. Like they, they, it's the job of the front office to take these calls, um, you know, tell other teams where they're at. Um, it's just the nature of the business. It's three sixty-five. Um, yeah. I think I would literally laugh my ass off if they put out a report that Aaron Rodgers is traded. While he is in the darkness. <laughs> yeah. There was that, somebody tweeted that, that old video of, from the, um, 
uh the scared straight show if you ever watched that where they take like the young kids into like the the high security prisons and mm-hmm. try to scare them <laughs> and someone took a clip from that where they're like yelling at the kids and everything and they captioned it <laughs> brian gutenkust breaking into aaron Rodgers's darkness retreat cabin to tell him he's been traded to las vegas <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of Las Vegas, the Raiders have officially released Derek Carr uh, day before he is due a guaranteed forty point four million. So he's a free agent. He's gonna be he's he's gonna be the first domino in the quarterback offseason to fall. Uh, Saints and Panthers are the first two that I have heard about. Um, yeah. But expected to have many, many suitors. Raiders, on the other hand, get uh, 29 and a quarter million cap space cleared. A lot of money for them to maneuver. And because he was released, he gets to... He can talk to and sign with teams before March 16th, right? That's why I said, yeah, he's going to be the first Mm -hmm. quarterback move this offseason. And another quarterback move... Two-time Super Bowl champ quarterback Chad Henney has retired. Uh, so the Chiefs will need to do some homework in the offseason to see what, what their backup quarterback plan is going to look like. Might just, uh, you know, they got a guy there, Shane Bouchelle, that's been on the practice squad for a couple years. Yeah, maybe. Get some cheaper work there. Uh, coaching carousel, Colts, they have hired Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, the Eagles also losing defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, five-year contract for Gannon there, so, (laughs) I don't know how the Cardinals feel. I mean, I haven't really looked for for Cardinals fans' reactions, but that's that's a tough look for your organization when that defense just gave up what it did in the second half of the Super Bowl. So it's only well, one game, but still. And, and my biggest thing is is that they were clearly throughout this whole process everybody's least favorite choice yeah they were the last we we talked about the musical chairs the cardinals were the last team standing (laughs) with the last best you know which is a very tough look for your organization especially when you supposedly already have a franchise quarterback that's usually Mm -hmm. all you need to entice a um a good head coaching candidate um but yeah, maybe there's some other things going on in in Glendale, Arizona. Yeah, I think uh, Shane Steichen's going to have more success than Jonathan Gannon is outside of Philadelphia, um, just because being under the offensive-minded coach of Nick Sirianni and the fact that he will be able to, you know start with a quarterback rather than Gannon going in to an already established quarterback um, and having to find 
a good offensive mind to work with Kyler. Yeah. And I think when you look at these rosters, honestly, I think that the Cardinals have so much more to do. Um, obviously, the Colts have to hit at the biggest position, which is quarterback. they got to find their guy. But they're in a good position to do that in this draft. But you look at the rest of the roster, um, you know, Defense there's pieces to work with. Whereas the, the Cardinals, I mean, they got to overhaul both sides of the ball in the trenches. Um, they could use some more secondary guys, especially a cornerback. Um, you know, they have to decide what they're going to do with D-Hop. Um, they could use another running back probably because James Conner is only getting older. Um, so there's there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, for sure. The Texans, they have their new offensive coordinator under D'Amico Ryans. He's bringing a friend along with him, 49ers pass game coordinator Bobby Slowick. Um, so nice continuity there. Kyle Shanahan offense going to Houston. No surprise. Uh, the Ravens, very sad day for Georgia fans. They have hired Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin as O.C., and again, I just, I don't know, like, what are you going into that job thinking? Like, like you don't know if you're going to have Lamar or not. So. I don't know, but I, I'm very happy because of my Mark Andrews shares. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping we can get some of that Brock Powers uh, emphasis uh, going in that offense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think in a vacuum, this is a really good hire for the Ravens. Um, I know some people questioned the fit um, with Lamar. Um, and I think that might be valid. Um, but I mean, I think that Munkin's enough of a good OC to where he's going to be able to adjust um, to that. Um, and I think Lamar is good enough to adjust to a new system. But, I mean, again, it could also speak to, hey, maybe they are keeping an exit strategy in place in case things fall apart. Yeah, true. I think uh, I think Todd Munkin would be a good coordinator for Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he would, actually. That would be a, a, a good fit. That play-action-style system. A uh, p- couple quarterback coach news here. Panthers, they have hired former quarterback Josh McCown as their QB coach his first NFL coaching gig finally after getting interviewed um last year for for the Texans head coaching job without any experience and whatnot so um yeah I'm happy I think Josh McCown I mean I saw him on the Eagles 41 years old played in a playoff game with a damn torn hamstring torn hand torn hamstring that was torn off the bone uh so uh love love josh mccown and the happy he's with one of my teams now gonna coach whatever quarterback we have yeah and you know and we'll get to the other signing they just made um but if you're a panthers fan you have to be ecstatic about the staff that frank reich is putting together here it's very impressive Again, it's especially impressive 
um, when you, there's so much question marks kind of with, you know, what are we going to do at quarterback? Are we going to get a veteran? Are we going to try to trade up? Do we think a guy's going to be able to fall to us that we really like? Um, when you have those question marks, you're still able to bring in this level of experience um, and talent. Um, it, I, it's a credit to how people view Frank Reich uh, as, you know, one of the best coaches in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be the start of some really good times um, for the Panthers, especially because, I mean, the NFC South is just wide open, like as wide open as wide open can be. Yeah. Not a single established quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the Bengals, QB's coach, Dan Pitcher, who uh, got some offensive coordinator interviews around the league, especially the Bucks. The Bucks were really interested, interviewed him twice. Uh, he's going to stay in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow for another year. I mean, that's kind of a hard spot to not like. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, going to be a hot OC candidate next year. Maybe even head coach, who knows. Uh, and then, as you alluded to, Panthers also signing former Colts head coach Jim Caldwell to their staff as a senior assistant. Uh, Going to be on the offensive side, obviously, because he's an offensive coach. And, yeah, I mean, but that's what, you know, that's what I've seen some other of my teams do, notably the Eagles. Um Bringing in former head coaches that know how to do it and can just help on on different things. Really good move for Frank Reich. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think it's really great to just how much experience can we get in our building? I think there's a lot of other coaches who, you know, might be intimidated by that. You know, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many um personalities um but you know when you're as well respected as frank reich is it just works so like i said super excited to see what that coaching staff can do um especially with um assuming um very likely that there's going to be a change at quarterback um bunch of coordinator interviews here bucks offensive coordinator search still going on They are interviewing Rams assistant head coach Thomas Brown and Lions assistant head coach slash running backs coach Scotty Montgomery. Uh, The Panthers, OC, they uh, are interviewing Rams assistant head coach Thomas Brown for a second time, so might be the guy there. Uh, the Eagles offensive coordinator haven't announced official interviews yet, but I'm just I just listed guys for their OC and DC spots that uh, their beat reporter Jeff McClain noted that uh, internally they could hire from. Uh, Eagles off pass game coordinator Kevin Petullo, and then the favorite to be promoted is quarterbacks coach uh, Brian Johnson. So, and I'll just roll the Eagles DC spot. Real quick, uh, in-house candidates include defensive backs coach Denard Wilson and linebackers coach Nick Rollis. 
Commanders offensive coordinator, they <clears throat> are going to get a, an interview eventually with Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Uh I guess they're supposedly going to be waiting now still until after the Chiefs parade, which has a TBD date on it. So <laughs> who knows when the Commanders are going to be able to interview Bieniemy. Uh, and then also they're they're interviewing former Ravens offense coordinator Greg Roman, so another experienced guy there for Ron Rivera possibly. Injuries, just some surgeries going on. It's the time of year that that people get surgery. Uh, Bills quarterback Josh Allen doesn't need surgery though. He's just gonna rehab because uh, the doctor said he's he's doing well rehabbing his elbow injury, and uh, he should be fine for 2023 with uh, just rehab. Hi, brother man. I'm going to hop off real quick. Well, let you finish up. before you go, I I have to get your XFL season predictions. Who are your... <laughs> who's going to win each each division and, and the, the championship? <laughs> I don't... I don't have... Uh, the the predictions yet uh front of mind um still have to take a dive take a look at that um but i am i am intrigued with the vipers there's some uh some two former packers i'm anticipating to have some uh some good chemistry uh in vegas um yeah okay we'll talk more about it on friday <laughs> yes sir see ya see ya uh, so the Eagles, right tackle Lane Johnson, he will have surgery on his torn adductor muscle that he had been playing through the entire postseason. Going to be good to go um, by training camp, definitely. Vikings, running back Dalvin Cook, he underwent shoulder surgery to fix a broken shoulder suffered in 2019. Crazy that it took that long to get his shoulder uh, surgery done finally. So, uh Hopefully, Dalvin will be good to go after uh, that with his shoulder issue. And just one transaction and note, waivers started this week in the Ravens. They claimed Cowboys corner Trayvon Mullen off of waivers. So the XFL season preview, here it is. Here are my predictions. Uh, the betting favorite to win the XFL right now is the Houston Roughnecks, I believe. However, I don't see it that way. I have them in the third place, finishing in third in the South Division. I don't have records um, for these, but uh, I do. They are in the order that I see them finishing this year. Uh, unfortunately for Logan, I have the Vi Vegas Vipers in last place in the North Division. But I'm just going to go through and, and see... The uh, the rosters here, so tell you the guys I like on each roster and kind of why uh, I picked them in their spots that they are. So the Arlington Renegades, coached by Bob Stoops, uh, winning his coach in Oklahoma history. Their quarterback is Kyle Sloter, right? So um, very veteran guy there. I think that is a great uh mesh with him and stoops offense should be electric keith ford davion smith are two of their running backs really like the power that both bring davion smith uh can do some pass catching stuff out of the backfield so i think that's going to be a good backfield there 
One wide receiver to note, Tyler Vaughns was an absolute stud at USC. I'm very excited to watch him catch balls from Sloter. Uh, and then the guy that was electric in tight end Sal Canella uh, in the original XFL reboot in 2020. He was playing in the AAF in 2019 as well. Uh, Sal Canella is a freaking beast. So I'm excited to watch him in this offense also. Flipping over the defense, defensive lineman Bruce Hector and Tomasi Lalil. Lalil was a stud in the XFL in 2020 as well. Uh, Bruce Hector has been around the NFL. Linebackers Donald Payne, he was a beast in the USFL last season, flipping to the XFL this year. Uh, excited to watch Donald Payne there. And Colin Schooler listed as a linebacker. He's going to be a core special teams player. That's what he did um, in the in his little NFL experience and uh, was a pretty good linebacker himself at Texas Tech. Corners, Devontae Bosby and Cravon LeBlanc, both uh, flush with NFL experience. Cravon LeBlanc uh, played on the Eagles. Devontae Bosby as well, I think. Bosby most recently with the Broncos, in, as far as I know. Uh, so, Really good corners on the outside there for Arlington. And then their punter, Marquette King, is just a boomer of a leg. So uh, should be good in the field position there with the Renegades. The Orlando Guardians is my second team in the South Division. They are coached by Terrell Buckley. Uh the quarterback, I'm not sure which guy is starting, but DeAndre Francois and Paxton Lynch both there. I think Francois will probably get the nod because Lynch wasn't added until a couple weeks ago. So I think Francois will be the guy week one. We'll have to see how he does to see if Lynch is needed or not. But yeah, I think DeAndre Francois had a great career at Florida State. Um, so I think he should be a solid option for Orlando. The wide receivers I really like, a lot of speed. Steven Guidry, uh, just a burner there. Charleston Rambo was electric at Miami and Oklahoma, so I, I like that guy there. And then Eli Rogers is the veteran of the group, has been around a long time, uh, former third-round pick of the Steelers there. So I think Eli Rogers will give them a nice slot option. Cody Latimer, tight end there, NFL guy before there so i think latimer will do a nice job defensive line is stacked for orlando nick Coe is a monster in the middle as a nose tackle um from auburn big presence there i think uh i think he should do a nice job josh harvey clemens as a defensive end has been around the league and stansley maponga also has been around the nfl I uh, just want to update you. The Colts giving new head coach Shane Steichen a uh, a six-year deal there in Indy. Back to the Guardians roster here, though. Long snapper uh, or linebacker Tigre Scales. He's a long snapper, I believe. Um, so listed as a linebacker, but should be the long snapper. I'd have to fact check that, but I believe he is. Uh, and then safety, Matt Elam. Talk about veteran presence. He's been around a long, long time. Drafted in uh, 2010, I believe. 
by the Baltimore Ravens. So Matt Elam getting another shot here um, with the Guardians. And then they're, uh, they probably had the best kicker-punter combination uh, in the XFL. Jose Borregales was a monster at uh, Miami. Should be uh, pretty accurate there. And then Johnny Townsend, brother of Super Bowl winning quarterback Tommy, uh, Super Bowl winning punter Tommy Townsend there for the Chiefs. Um, should have a nice season there. The Houston Roughnecks are my next team, and this is the team. I think they could they could jump, possibly. There's questionable at quarterback, but Wade Phillips alone gives them a shot, being the guy with the most experience out of all the coaches in the XFL here. Uh, quarterback is going to be Cole McDonald. Loved Cole McDonald at Hawaii. Not sure what his uh, – he was a seventh-round draft pick – of the Seattle Seahawks, I believe, last year. Didn't make it in the NFL. Getting a shot in the XFL. We'll see how he does in the Wade Phillips offense. Uh, but I do really like him as a big arm. Hopefully he can do well. Max Borgie, running back, Washington State. He was a really solid player there. Thousand-yard back. Um, like him. Deontay Burnett. At wide receiver, another USC guy, uh, kind of flamed out in the NFL, was with the Eagles a little bit, um, trying to get back to that. Offensive line, the first offensive lineman I'll mention, John Yarbrough, uh, has been around a little bit, pretty solid guy there. Uh, Yarbrough is a guard, I believe. D-line, CJ Brewer, Coastal Carolina, Jack Heflin. Uh, a guy that Logan knows with the Packers uh, and from Wisconsin. So Heflin and Brewer should put a formidable duo there on the D-line in the middle. And then I really like their corners. Ajene Harris, William Likely, and Kerry Vincent, all very solid. Should give them a top three trio there um, to shut down opposing passing games. And then lastly, in the south, my good friend Heinz Ward uh, with the San Antonio Brahmas. Unfortunately, I had them finishing last. They do have a lot of potential, though. They just announced Jack Cohn as their starter. I wasn't sure. They had a couple guys there. Uh, Jawan Pass is another guy um, from Prairie View A&M that, uh, that I thought maybe might have got the starting job. But Jack Cohn... Gets it, the former Notre Dame quarterback and uh, Wisconsin quarterback. He is the starter. I love their running backs, Kalen Balaj and Jock Patrick. Patrick, an XFL holdover from 2020. Uh, Balaj, a veteran in the NFL as well. So should have a good backfield there. Wide receiver, Jalen Tolliver. Uh, South Alabama guy, I believe, if I'm correct. Seventh-round pick of the Cowboys a couple years ago. Didn't make it in the NFL. Get another chance here like that receiver. Tight ends, I like two of them. Elise Mack and Dion Yelder both um, have been in practice squads in the NFL. And Mack going to be more the H-back guy there. Yelder, a big body that can catch the ball. 
I really like their offensive line. Jordan McRae, Damian Mama, Luke Dariga uh, should give them a really solid two guards there in Mama and Dariga, and McRae can give you a nice right or left tackle there. McRae, former Packer as well. On the defensive side, uh, I didn't have any defensive linemen for them, but linebacker Joel Dublanco, Cincinnati product. He was a tackling machine there, so I like him. The DBs, again, um, just like Houston, I think this DB core could be something special. Luke Barku, Terrell Bonds, and Ryan Lewis, all three, again, have been in training camps and uh, on practice squads and whatnot. So I think they should be a, a solid trio. And then maybe I, I mentioned uh, another team having the best punter-kicker combo, but maybe this one could supplant that. John Parker Romo is their kicker here. Um, and then Brad Wing, the veteran NFL punter, getting it done for San Antonio. I love that duo just like the other one that I mentioned. Flipping to the North Division. In fourth place, I had the Vegas Vipers. Uh, they are coached by Rod Woodson, former NFL corner and uh, high school coach. The Vipers on their team, I like. Quarterback Louis Perez was a, a, was a standout in the AAF as well as the XFL uh, in 2020. So I think he's going to get the nod at QB there. Running backs, John Lovett, former Penn State Baylor guy. And Rod Smith, former Cowboy as well. Um, I think those two will have a good one-two punch there. Rod Smith being the power guy, maybe more of a fullback, but uh, I think they're going to have some power there. Geronimo Allison, Jeff Bidette, and Martavius, Martavis Bryant, the three receivers that I really love. They might have the three best receivers in the XFL there. Uh, as a group, um, but Allison, like Logan mentioned, the the Packer there, uh, I think will will do a nice job as well as the former Steeler Martavis Bryan has not been uh, playing much ball as of late. And Jeff Bidette, Oklahoma guy, really solid speedster. Tight end Sean Price was with the XFL in 2020 uh, in Seattle, I believe. Uh, so he's getting another shot here with Vegas. Offensive line, these guys, they got a, a solid trio. Antonio Garcia, our guy. Antonio Garcia, former Troy Trojan there. Donovan West from Arizona State has been in some training camps. And then uh, former Raiders GM Reggie McKenzie, his son Khalil McKenzie, getting in shot here with Vegas um, on their offensive line. D. Lyman for the Vipers that I like. Destiny Viao and Robert Windsor. Windsor, uh, a Penn State guy there. And uh, Destiny Viao has been in the NFL a bunch. So good experience there. And then linebackers Vic Beasley and Pita Tamapenu. Um, Beasley, again, a, a veteran presence there at the outside linebacker spot. Tamapenu, um, a guy that has, has been around in college and uh hopefully can can prove himself with vegas 
Third place for me in the north is the St. Louis Battlehawks. Um, they have a really solid roster, but the inexperience of head coach is why I dropped them to third place. Anthony Beck, the former NFL tight end, will be coaching them. Offensive coordinator Bruce Gradkowski, former uh, quarterback in the NFL. So nice one-two punch there on offense. They have a veteran quarterback, A.J. McCarron, former Alabama, former uh, Cincinnati Bengal, has been around a, a bunch in the NFL, trying to reboot his career. Running backs, I like Mateo Durant uh, from Duke. Brian Hill, the former Atlanta Falcons running back there, should be a solid duo. Wide receivers, I mean, they they have the best, the best top four in, in the league. Marcel Aitman. Uh, was on Hard Knocks with the Raiders last year. Darius Shepard, that's a former Packer for Logan there, uh, can fill the slot. Austin Prohl, son of Rams, uh, Super Bowl winning wide receiver. Ricky Prohl, and then uh, Hakeem Butler, the height, weight, speed guy in 2018 draft, I believe, 2019 draft, whatever it was. Um, from Iowa State, he's like 6'5", 220, something like that. So he's he can give you that outside jump ball receiver type. Offensive line, also very good. Jawan Bushel-Beatty, NFL veteran, uh, going to be probably their left tackle to start. Steven Gonzalez, uh, a nice interior guy, and then Vidal Alexander, can be your right tackle or slide into a guard's position. Linebackers, this is this is the best trio in the league here. Mike Rose, a tackling machine at Iowa State. Uh, loved him coming out in the draft. Just did not uh, quite make it to the NFL. Silas Kelly, Coastal Carolina. Yeah, the, the bleach blonde mullet there with uh, when Jamie Chadwell was there. So like his personality and then travis feeney was a monster uh in the usfl last year slipping switching over to the xfl this season one corner i like lavert hill former michigan wolverine very solid in coverage can play corner and safety and then speaking of safety nate meters has been around the nfl a bunch so i like him and then punter sterling hoffrichter from syracuse I think he's going to be a solid punter for St. Louis. Second place in the north, I had the Seattle Sea Dragons. Jim Hazlitt, the veteran defensive coordinator around the NFL, was the head coach of the St. Louis Rams for a little bit. His offensive coordinator is June Jones, the the former Houston Roughnecks offensive coordinator there. Or Houston Roughnecks had coach, I should say. So, um, yeah, I think that is a massive get for him on on offense to help quarterback Ben DiNucci uh, with the Cowboys the last couple of seasons, now trying to get back to the NFL. Running back I like is Brendan Knox out of Marshall, inexperienced, but has some power, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Josh Gordon is making a return yes the uh the guy that got suspended multiple times in uh, the nfl josh gordon trying to resurrect his career to make it back 
to the NFL. Another guy that, that I like is Jalen Red, former Oregon Duck there, uh, speedster for days. I think he could give Ben DiNucci a deep ball threat. Offensive line I like is uh, Michael Minette. Uh, pretty solid interior offensive lineman there. Should give them some protection. D-line, P.J. Hall, former Giants draft pick. A uh, nice piece in the middle there. And then Trayvon Hester, the guy of fame in Philadelphia. The, the guy that blocked the double doink in Chicago in the uh, 2019 playoffs there. 2018 season, 2019 playoffs. Um, so Trayvon Hester resurfacing here with the Seattle Sea Dragons. Linebackers I really like. Clarence Hicks, UTSA uh, roadrunner there. He was a, a sideline to sideline guy that can cover and tackle. So I, I think he's going to be a nice nice option there. And then Tuzar Skipper was with the Steelers for quite a while. Practice squad uh, and active roster. Going to be a great special teams player as well as playing defense. Love their corners there. Quinterio Cole from Louisville. Uh, I think he's more of a slot guy. Can play safety as well, I think. And then Michael Wright from Oregon uh, had a very solid pre-draft process. I believe he was eligible last year. So uh, should be a nice option for Hazlitt in the, in the backfield. In the defensive backfield. And then I don't know why Sharif Miller was listed as a safety on Seattle's roster. I don't know if that was a typo or what. If he is switching to safety, that would be very intriguing because he was a defensive end slash outside linebacker when I last saw Sharif Miller uh, with the Panthers. So they had the best long snapper in the league. Thomas Fletcher, the seventh-round pick of the Panthers uh, in 2020, I think it was, maybe 2021. But uh, out of Alabama, he's going to be the best long snapper in the league. I can guarantee you that. And then kicker Dominic Eberly, another gr good kicker in this league. So uh, has been in the NFL before. So, yeah, I, I like him for Seattle. And then, of course... This is not me being biased. I just do think they have the best team in their division. The D.C. Defenders. My D.C. Defenders. I didn't get my shirt uh, yet. It's supposed to be in today, but I haven't gotten anything. We'll see if I, if I see it in my mailbox. But the D.C. Defenders, head coach Reggie Barlow, big coordinator hire. Defensive coordinator is Greg Williams, so I think they should be stout on that side of the ball, especially when I tell you who they have on defense. But first on offense, quarterback Jordan Ta'amu, flipping over from the USFL um, to the XFL, was the St. Louis Battlehawks quarterback uh, in 2020, now comes back to the XFL to be the D.C. Defenders quarterback. I think he's going to be a beast. Um, led the USFL last year in passing yards and touchdowns and QB rushing yards as well. Running backs, Abram Smith, Rykel Armstead. I mean, Rykel Armstead was in the NFL for a couple years there with the Jaguars 
And then Abram Smith I really liked coming out of Baylor. Um, I think that could be a formidable one-two punch. Wide receivers are, are solid. Josh Hammond uh, out of Florida is a speed demon. Uh, Puka Williams out of Kansas can be your possession guy over the middle. Jaquez Ezzard out of Sam Houston State, he can be a jump ball. Um, he's shorter, but he can be a jump ball guy and uh, is fast. And then Chad Hansen, former Cal Bear, I believe, um, is also a solid piece to put in the middle of the field. Love the tight end. Trey Barry out of Boston College should be a, a good option in the red zone for Ta'amu. Uh, offensive line, Mike Mayetti. Good interior presence there at center, I think. And then here's where it gets real cool. Defensive line, man. And I say line man because it's two separate words. Davin Bellamy, the guy from Georgia that absolutely lit up the USFL in the spring. Uh, he's going to be a problem for a lot of XFL tackles there. Jacob Pen Penasiuk from Michigan State. We mourn the three students that lost their lives and the five that, are, uh, that were injured last night at Michigan State. And I'm sure he is in in uh, that process as well. But Penasuk here uh, was a really solid player at MSU, and I'm excited to watch him team up with Bellamy there. Uh, Karan Reed, veteran NFL guy there, playing defensive tackle. Very excited to have him in the middle. And then Gabe Wright, an edge rusher out of uh, UAB, I believe. Um could be wrong there, but Gabe Wright should be a force in that D-line rotation. Really love the linebackers. Reggie Northrup was a tackling machine last year uh, and for and in the original XFL as well. <clears throat> so I'm excited for him. And then uh, Farad Gardner out of Cincinnati should have a, a nice season for D.C. Defensive backs, Dewan Neal has been around the NFL. So has Kentrell Bryce. So I think they give you some veteran presences in the in the backfield, defensive backfield there. And then kicker Matt McCrane has been around the NFL, kicked for the Steelers for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think my D.C. defenders have a good shot with what they have, especially on defense, if they can get the offense to match what the defensive personnel has. Reggie Barlow gets the most out of his offense. I think the D.C. defenders could win the XFL uh, over the Arlington Renegades. So, that is my predictions. Uh, next Tuesday, though, we'll be back talking XFL. It'll be week two. We'll, we'll have XFL game recaps from the opening weekend here, Saturday and Sunday this week. And uh, we'll give you all the college and college football and NFL news as well, and all the coordinator and you know quarterback conundrum updates that we can give you. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, FAA underscore bets on Twitter as well. FAAPodcast.com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Thank you all for watching.
and we'll see you on Friday.